Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Hobby Hustle. It's Friday. Let's go. It's a party. It's time to shine. It's time to enter the weekend. It's time to just dominate this last day of being a freaking professional so you can slide in and be a degenerate sports card collector. We're always degenerate sports card collectors, but I, I guess we have a little more time on the weekend. Thanks for listening. I appreciate everyone's support. Definitely, if you like what you've been hearing on the show, hit that subscribe button. This is my favorite part of the week because I get to meet people that inspire me, that I learn from, and that I can share their stories with you. And this one is it in a big way, big time. One of my favorite conversations that I've had in a long time is with my man, Nick from the Wharf Sports Cards. Just this conversation is about passion. This conversation is about going all in on yourself. This is about going in and doing something that is improving and bettering the hobby. I can't tell you how much I learned from him in this one. And just his story is compelling. And I think everyone should go definitely hit follow on the Wharf Sports Cards and check out his stuff after uh, you get done listening to this. Um, I really got nothing more to say than this, but enjoy this conversation because it's one of my favorites. Let's kick it to it. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Hobby Hustle. I am excited today. I've got another guest who's in a one of my sports cards chat groups that I'm in that's a little chaotic. We talked about Pat Geek being in it. Is it Lamine bringing people in the hobby together? Um, I got my man, Nick, from the Wharf Sports Cards. Um, I think I'm excited for this conversation. It's long overdue. He is doing some awesome things in the hobby, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about cards. We're going to talk about – I'd like to talk about the NBA a little bit. Last time I heard you talk about the NBA was on uh, uh, Max's show, uh, Basketball Card Therapy, and that's actually, I think, the first time I heard you uh, talk about sports cards and stuff outside of just following you on Instagram. But without further ado, how are you doing, Nick? I'm good, Brett, man. Uh, thank you for having me on here. I am uh, very humbled to be on here. You've had uh, more than an all-star lineup of guests um, preceding me. So uh, hopefully I can uh, keep the bar where it's at and, and not lower it by coming on here. But <laughs> I'm just excited to be here, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, in prep for, in prep for the show, I was listening to uh, – Max's show with you and you guys it had it was right before the NBA season was kicking off and you were both kind of sharing your predictions about what you thought was happening and pretty much like what you were talking about uh was held true the most controversial take you said I think was like you know what like I'm not really a Giannis guy I uh I think the Bucks will do just fine and make the playoffs but I, I, uh, I'm just not a big Giannis guy. I I'd love maybe just to kick it off before we get into your business. I'd love to just like, listen to you. Like what's up with Giannis? What's your beef with Giannis? So, so listen, man, if you, if you follow me enough and talk to me a little bit, like I tend to go against the grain a lot. Um, and, and, and the more I self-reflect, the more I realize I've kind of always been that way. So I, you know, like we talked about before we hopped on the podcast, like, I'm le- I'm just kind of leaning into that and, and not really not really caring what other people think, but I've been I've caught a lot of slack for that Giannis take. Um, but so so let me give you my background. I I played basketball my whole life, but 
you know, a million people did, but I also coached basketball and I coached um, some players that are in the NBA. Now I know a little bit about basketball to where I understand specifically in the NBA, when you get to the playoffs, it's a whole different game. And if you're going to be considered one of the best players or the best player in the NBA and, and teams can game plan against you and essentially take you out of a game and beat you, you you're out of the top 10 in my, in my eyes. And that's how I view Giannis. If you just don't guard him at the three point line and you, you literally just guard the other four guys and let him shoot threes, you will win a playoff series against him is how I feel. And, and it's no disrespect to Giannis. I mean, he had the most efficient NBA season of all time last year, I believe. And he's a historic player. Um, but if you don't have the three levels offensively to your game, um, you're not going to, you're not going to win the championship as, as the best player on a team, in my opinion. So, so that's kind of my view on Giannis. It, it is a hot take, but, but uh, I'm sticking to my guns on it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Stick to the guns. Uh, go the other direction. Um, I'm watching. So, as a Pacers fan, I'm watch. I watched him this week. Um, Pacers caught uh, the Bucks on the other end of a back to back. So they played at home, played the Grizzlies, beat them up by 20 or more. It was a dominant performance. Then you know the classic: get in a bus, get on the road, go up to Milwaukee, and have to play on the road. And it's just one of those games where you're just like, they're just gonna get punched in the mouth. Like guys are tired. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm watching this Bucks team and the Pacers, you could tell, are sluggish. And I'm just looking at this Bucks team and I'm just like, man, like if they just had Malcolm Brogdon right now, who they ended up trading the Pacers, they actually might be like, a, they might do some, make some noise and maybe, you know, make the final. So it's just, there's so much movement that happens in the NBA uh, in it just is like it's reminiscent of all the movement that happens in the basketball card market. Um, what are your just like thoughts in that in general? I totally agree. And, and I'll give Giannis that. I mean, he he does not have the best situation, team situation in the NBA. Um, I think his coach is a is a great coach to go out there and get you a lot of regular season wins. But but Coach Bud historically has struggled in the postseason. Um, even, even while, you know, having the top record in the NBA last year with the Bucks wasn't his first time. I think he did it with Atlanta even one time. Um, so in, in the lineup around him is not necessarily the most ideal for his skill set and the other players' skill sets, um, as opposed to a team like Miami, who, who is like perfectly constructed to play with each other. I know they're struggling this year. They've had some, some COVID stuff and a lot of people in and out of the lineup, but even a team like Indiana, they, they, they're really well constructed to kind of complement each other. Um, so that is kind of crazy how, how one piece like Brogdon, you know, yeah, I think it was a contract situation why they moved him, you know, he was going to get paid, but now they're, they're licking their chops. Like, man, I wish we would have just paid this fool. Cause, <laughs> cause we, <laughs> he's exactly what we could use right now. Um, but it is, it, it you know, it's reflected in the card market because, you know, one piece like that to the Bucks, if the Bucks make one trade of significance at the deadline or before the season is over, even in the offseason, like Giannis's prices are going to shoot to the moon again just because people are going to expect more and they see the need that the Bucks have. And if there's news that they're trying to fill that need and, and may have filled that need with a trade, then 
those expectations are going to come right back in, in his cards and be reflected in his prices for sure. Totally. I think it's uh, just while, while we're on the Giannis note, like, man, some of those sales of, you know, his one of one prism card and just the prices of these guys. And I know Giannis is Giannis and he's got a huge market, huge fan base. Um, but like, I don't know, man, is the more I've gotten into this, the more I build qualifiers in when I'm spending capital with certain players. And I kind of need that championship already established if I'm going to open up the, the, the pocketbook and spend, you know, over a thousand dollars on a card. But like, you know, you see with, you know, the golden auctions we were talking about with the Luca uh gold prism i mean in the honest sales it's like so these people don't care that they don't have championships they're they're paying that they do that they have multiple that they're already built in like like what are your thoughts on that just like obviously there's some risk associated with it but do you think with the the way the market's moving and going that there's going to be retraction there or do you just think the that they'll continue to grow and see gains because they have big fan bases i think i think it's a sort of a combination of of all of the above um but the market kind of tells the story of of where the individuals and in the hobby kind of are and where they might be moving and right now we see that the the legends the goats the retired hall of famers the all-time greats the the guys with with champ a championship or multiple championships are the guys that are selling for crazy amounts right now, um, three, four Xing in, in, in one or two months at ridiculous values. Um, so to me, that that tells me that people are kind of uh, becoming more educated on, on how values can sort of stick in the hobby over time and not just go up and down, um, you know, month to month, according to, to what's going on in, the, in that player's season or their team situation or whether it's off season or going into the playoffs or, or whatever the variable may be. Um, I think people are starting to learn kind of the, the, the power that a championship holds in, in basketball specifically. I think baseball, you, I, I did get to listen to part of your podcast, um, with the captain, um, one of my favorite people, by the way, I love that guy. Um, he, I think he touched on that where he said, um, you know, baseball is kind of like the least dependent on a, on a championship as far as hobby prices. I think basketball is probably a notch above that. Um, because there's a lot of guys that, um, statistically are great players and, and are great players are just not on championship teams and they sell for a lot of money. Um, but in, in terms of holding value, the guys that hold value have championships. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, they might hold value. In my opinion, from what I've seen, it's really like once they hit year three, it, if they're not close to a title or or you can't look at that guy and say like, he could be competing for a championship this year or next year, people are starting to leave. People are starting to move into other guys and maybe they move into a a, a rookie or a second year guy. and you know, take another shot on him, or maybe they just move into the goats where it's, where it's safer. Um, but I think a big part of that is education. Uh, a lot of the hobby is still newer, um, coming in with, within the last year or six months. And, um, part of that process is just jumping in, making mistakes and, and figuring out how to kind of correct them as you go. So I think that's what we're seeing. 
So I think the year three thing is an important thing to call out. And I just on the baseball side, man, I was on sports card live with Jeremy and the baseball topic came up and I mentioned something about like Jeter and well, Jeter won championships, yada, yada, yada. And all the, all the baseball guys just like were destroying me. And I'm like, I'm not like, I don't know baseball. It's not my game. They're like, they don't, you don't need championships. I'm like, and by the end of it, like Jeremy and I were getting shredded by all these hardcore <laughs> baseball collectors. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Like I get it. Um, but year three, I think it is an important year. And you know, you're, we're looking at a year three right now with somebody that just like, I mean, it's all we talked about for a month going into the season and that's Trey young. And you know, his, his cards just were exploding for a while. And I'm a fan of watching this kid. Like, I think, I mean, it, it's very rare. Why I like him is because I love Steph Curry and there's, there's some, I mean, there, it just, you, you, you can't not see some of Steph in Trey. I don't know if it's the stature, the way he just has confidence, but like, this is a pivotal year based on the sports card market, according to kind of the history with Trey young, like, what happens if the Hawks don't make the playoff? I mean, that that's the question. I mean, that is the question. And that's hopefully people were asking themselves that question before the year and before they started buying him as his prices were going up, um, because that's ultimately what's going to determine his prices as we move through the season. And as we get to the playoffs, if we get to the playoffs and they don't make the playoffs, you better believe his prices are, are probably going to tank if they hadn't already by that point. Um and Trey, man, I've got a soft spot for Trey um, because uh, kind of going with my against the grain philosophy, you know, with that draft class, everybody was buying Luca from the jump and I was gobbling up Trey and, and I had seen Trey play a lot in high school. So um, I probably had a little more experience with him than, than most people coming into the NBA. Um, and, and he did very well for me. Um, once he, he had a, a breakout game versus the bulls. I think in double overtime, he had like 40 and 20 and all of a sudden his prices were like just going nuts. Um, and then they kind of carried into the next year. But I think, um, I, I appreciate a player like Trey that is, is a guy that if you look at him, you know, you walk by him in the street, you're, you don't think like that's definitely a, a, a NBA all-star right there. Um, you know, I think he, he is maximizing his God-given abilities. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure he can get better as a player, but but he's up there, and I I just appreciate kind of kind of what he's done with what he's been given. But yeah, he you got to win, man. You got to win because him specifically, he's either on the the trajectory of of a James Harden, where he puts up a ton of stats. Um, makes a bunch of all-star teams, um, maybe becomes a guy that's always in the playoffs, but never really a threat to win um, or, or something has to change and he has to be a piece on, on a title contending team. And I, I think the Harden situation is the easier one to see at this point, unless something changes. 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with you. It's just, yeah, it's hard. Uh, I don't know if it's the situation in Atlanta or, if he were it had a change of scenery, if it would look different, he is with Clutch Sports, which we all know what they like to do. They like to make sure that their guys are in the best situations and maximize marketability and money. And so that'll be interesting to see uh, how it all plays out. Let's let's jump into 
the worst sports cards. Um, you know, from what I know and understand about you, you kind of have the classic story of, you know, grew up, you know, Bulls fan, got to enjoy all those championships, grew up collecting, left, saw friends who are in it, realized that there are opportunities. And then maybe you're like, kind of like a dog on a bone jumping back in. You're like, I'm, I'm going to get in the hobby. So you, you came back as kind of like collector and investor and that kind of took maybe that that accelerated into you realizing well maybe this is something i can kind of do professionally um maybe talk to me about just like that mindset of what happened and when did you when was that moment where you're like this is what i want to do yeah so so first off how many times have you heard that that same story of how 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 people got back into the hobby right it's like we all had the same story like we all collected as a kid we all kind of grew up and it it wasn't as cool anymore for a little while and then something drew us back in and, and when we came back in we stuck right um but but for me personally i've been doing it on the side since 2017 and I, I don't tell this story a lot but it's really interesting i went 2017 you know i went all in on i had 500 bucks i'm like i'm gonna spend 500 on sports cards right and i i did some research I talked to some buddies that were in it um, and they kind of told me like how, how prices are kind of affected. And I said, I'm either going to make $500 off of this or I'm going to lose it all. Like, like, <laughs> so I took a shot on Harry Giles and, and Harry Giles um, did not play his rookie year. He, he had torn his ACL like three times in high school and college. Um, but he was supposed to play in the summer league. So I said, I'm going to buy him. He, he, his silver prisms were like 20 bucks a pop. So I don't want to buy as many silver prisms as I can for 500 bucks. And uh, if he plays in the summer league, if they announce that he's playing, I'm selling them all. And that's exactly what happened. I like tripled my money. Um, and I'm like, this is easy, man. Let's, let's do this. And it obviously didn't continue to always go that way, but uh, it, it gave me a good taste from the jump and, and made me want to pursue it more and, and learn more about it. Um, but it was always a side thing for me um for the next probably two years um moving into to 2018 though i went heavy into patrick mahomes um so his rookie year was 17 he didn't play till that last game um you know prism came out november of 2017 and graded copies started coming out january february and i was buying mahomes PSA 10 prisms for like 25 bucks. I mean, I mean, literally Deshaun Watson was selling for like 150. Mitchell Trubisky was selling for like 75. So again, going against the grain, I was, I was buying the guy that, that nobody was talking about at that time, which is hard to imagine today. Um, and again, I, I got lucky and he, and he, and he came out and um, had an MVP year the next year. And I was gobbling stuff up from February all the way to the start of the season um and I, I it was just good timing i mean i i like to think i did my research but you gotta you gotta get a little lucky in this thing too um and um at that point i started to kind of consider like man it, the more time i spend researching this the more money i make the better i do you know what i mean like it's funny you know it's it's such a simple concept but it's so true and i started to think like what if I could, you know, devote all of my time to this? Um, and at that time, I was actually um, 
pursuing my master's in education. I was coaching high school basketball. I wanted to be a head basketball coach. I was a varsity assistant and JV head coach, um, had some opportunities to pursue a head coaching job. Um, and I ended up going for a job back in my hometown. Um, didn't get the job, but they, they wanted me to come be the assistant. And I said, you know what, I need to change the scenery. I'm, I'm going to come back. And, and, and I took the job, but in the back of my head, I said, I'm going to go harder in sports cards. And if I get to a certain number that I had in my head, I'm, I'm getting out and I'm going full-time in cards. Um, so fast forward to March uh, with, with COVID. So March, 2020, they sent us home as, as teachers. Um, so I naturally had more time to devote to cards and I, and I did dive in and I was just, you know, from the time I woke up to the time I, my wife yelled at me to come upstairs. Um, I, I was, I was diving into cards, researching, talking to people, um, you know, trying to get deals on everything. Um, and, and I convinced her to let me quit my job and pursue cards full time, which, <laughs> I get messages all the time of people want to know, like, like, how do you make the jump? Like, how do you give up your full-time income and, and take a shot on yourself and take a shot on cars, especially in a, in a market that is so uncertain at times, um, even though it's been crazy hot, there's still that kind of uncertainty of like, is this going to last forever? How long is this going to last? Um, and I don't know. I don't know the magic answer, but let me just tell you my story. We were living in a 900 square foot house, um, a one-year-old daughter, um, three of us in this 900 square foot house. I just quit um, my my full-time teaching job. Uh, pandemic just started and I just took the leap, man. Um, I talked to my wife and, and we just decided like just to take a chance on ourselves. Um, and I'm so glad that we did that. I, I made more money in the next six months than I did in the previous two or three years as a teacher and high school basketball coach. Um, and now I'm, you know, I, I started a whole business, not just selling cars. I started my consignment business, doing consignments on eBay. I've got multiple streams of revenue through the Warp Sports Cards, and the sky's the limit with this thing in my eyes. Um, so I'm glad I did take that jump. Dude, that that is uh, such an amazing story. A couple things first. I think one, you're the first person that I've ever heard of who made money on a Harry Giles. So congratulations. <laughs> Anything's possible, man. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. Uh, Mahomes. There's so many out. You obviously, I talked with Kevin last week, but you were before that. There's Mahomes is just taking people places, and man, that's just so much fun. Uh, he. Uh, you know, I like what you said about just luck and luck. Like you put in the work, there are pe like there are pieces of luck that are gonna fall your way, and you just got to enjoy those things. So I think that's important. And then just finally, like you know, taking a chance on yourself um, and just making the leap. I mean, it's kind of those that classic story of just kind of you know follow your passion and just go all in. And I mean, I can hear it in your voice, like. You you put in all that work and you had the confidence in yourself and you're like, I'm making money off of this. If I just were to devote some more time into this, I know I can make X more dollars. And what then you probably got to a point you're like, I can support my family doing this and I love it, right? That's exactly it. And and you know, it's allowed my wife to to stay home with our daughter, which was, you know, 
something she always wanted that that we both always knew and and I wanted to work towards. I didn't think we would get there as quick as we did. Um, but yeah, uh, we we moved into uh, you know a bigger than 900 square foot house, uh, <laughs> um, a house that we love. I mean, our our life has gotten so much better because we did take a massive risk. And and you know the way I see our life for the next however long it is better than I imagined it being a year ago before I went full-time in cards. And, and when I took that leap, I was terrified. I was terrified. I, I probably didn't sleep for a week or two le- legitimately. I mean, I, I, I kept myself up at night because I was, I was worried that, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do this thing the way I thought I could, but I just kept plucking away. And, and like I said, it's better than I could have imagined. And I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I'd love to get your, uh, I'd love to hear two things. One, I would imagine that getting to where you're at right now, um, where you're doing this full time, took a lot of connecting and de- building and developing relationships with other people. So I'd love to hear you uh, maybe share some thoughts on just like your approach in the hobby and just like building and developing relationships and maybe like those moments in time that happened along the way that helped you kind of level up what you were doing. A hundred percent. I've always been a relationships guy. That's that's what attracted me to uh, to teaching and coaching. It was never to educate people necessarily. It was to to build relationships that could impact people positively some way in their life. Um, yeah, I worked with high school kids, and I felt like um, it, it was just a special bond that you could create that could help both of you mutually in in your in your journeys. And and sports cards aren't different. Um, the relationships that you build are the most important thing to your success in the hobby, regardless of if you're an investor or a collector. Um, and I, and I was fortunate enough to pick up on that right away. Um, and I think early on, um, it, it was about flipping for me. So I was constantly in and out of transactions. I was always trying to get the best deal buying a card that I could. Um, so I saw how sellers kind of interacted with me and what made them want to sell to me for maybe a little bit less than, than what they were looking for. Um, so I understood it from a buyer's perspective. And then when I started to sell more, I understood it from a seller's perspective. I started going heavy into Instagram sales and I was doing story, story sales early on, um, and, and did really well there. But the people that I had dealt with before, that I knew if they said like, you know, I had a card up for let's say a hundred dollars using easy number. And they said, I'll give you 90, 90 right now. If it was somebody that I knew I had dealt with before, I knew that if I said yes, they'd pay me right away and, and it'd be over with, I'm taking that deal every time. And that's a relationship thing. Um, and now as a business owner, um, trying to build the consignment business, I'm leaning on to relationships that I've built in the hobby for advice. Um, I've actually even hired a business consultant that I've been working with um, for the last two months that I met through the hobby months ago that happens to be a, uh, a, a business consultant now, but was a VP at a Fortune 500 company. Um, I mean, these relationships would have never happened if I didn't take them seriously in the hobby um, from, from a hobby perspective first and in, in what they've grown into and how they've impacted my entire life from moving forward from then until however long I do this thing. 
That, that's amazing. And the, the story sales, uh, those are, I mean, those are such like, if you have relationships and you're trying to sell some cards, the story sales, it's a win-win for everyone, right? No one has to, you you know the person, you don't have to deal with the fees, it's quick transaction. And it seems like everyone who's doing cards full-time or a lot of the time is leveraging the story sale. And that's a big thing I've been talking a lot about is like, how do we not have some sort of platform in place where everyone knows what kind of cards we all have and what's for sale and what's not. And we can just like meet each other and, you know, trade and sell cards. Instagram can make that possible, but there's all this other crap in Instagram that causes that to be a little more difficult than not. Absolutely. And as I was doing story sales, I, I, you know, it was successful early on. Part of that was the market was just so hot. It was kind of in the boom before the NBA bubble um, and, and into August to where it really peaked. Um, so, so a lot of it was just the market. Um, but I think I have some takes on that. And I think it's been harder to still sell on Instagram uh, lately. And I'm not on Facebook. I only do Instagram. Um, so I don't know how it is over there, but it's gotten to a point where, where, everybody's trying to get the best deal that they can get. And no matter what you post a card for, the offers are going to come in below that, um, which I get. I get because we're all, you know, a lot of us are investors or flippers and trying to make, you know, the biggest margins on a card that we can. Um, but if we truly, th there's a couple ways you can think of it. Like the way I think about it is, you know, we're all kind of small businesses. We're all kind of local small businesses, right? And and when you want to support a local business, when you want to go eat at a local restaurant, you're going to pay a little bit more for that steak or that hamburger. Um, but you know that it's going right back into your town or your city or for us, our hobby, right? So I think, I don't think it's a hurdle that will ever clear but it's a concept that makes a lot of sense to me, um, especially when you talk about the negatives of eBay. If we got on Instagram and, and posted cars for sale for exactly what it sold for on eBay, and all of us said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it for that price because I want to support you as a small business, as a hobby participant. Um, I want you to get all of my money that I probably would have spent on eBay anyways. I think it would alleviate a lot of these issues that we have with not only just selling on Instagram, but getting stuff off of eBay or, or, or giving us more control of our, of our sales. I love, I love that. I love the small business analogy too. Um, definitely an advocate of that. And I had never thought of it that way. So uh, that's interesting. I, I'm curious. Uh, you've I'd love to hear more about the consignment business. I, I'd love to hear just like maybe, you know, you wake up, like walk me through what what's your day look like? Man, you're, you're not going to believe my my days. Um, people people think I'm lying when I tell them my schedule. So um, so I am up the latest I sleep is 3 a.m. every single day. Um, and, and Saturday and Sunday are just an extension of Monday through Friday for me right now. That's that's not really a weekend. Um, so I'm up by 3 a.m. Um, first thing I do is, is hop into the Instagram DMs. I have a few consigners in Europe and in, in Hong Kong. Um, so that's really a good time to talk to them. Um, our boy, Lameem James, we, we have most of our conversations that at three or four a.m. in the morning, <laughs> um, but uh, so so it's a good time to talk to those 
reach people, um, get those messages answered, um, help them however I can help them. And then I hop right into eBay. Um, you know, it's I, I you know how it is when you're you're watching an auction for a card that you are going after, or or maybe you own a copy of the card and there's one auction and you want to see if it sells for more. Like take that times a hundred with my consignments. I'm watching all these consignment sales, like, oh, I can't wait to see what they ended for when I wake up. And so I go through those. Um, I have a tracking system where I where I track all of my all of my sales and, and get them where they need to be tracked and and go through um you know organizing how i'm going to ship them um and i have systems for all of this and we're actually uh kind of kind of ramping up our systems and make everything more efficient um so so that process is going to be a lot more streamlined and better for for myself but also for the consigners as well um but i'd say until about <clears throat> until about noon um three to like 11 or three to noon is tracking consignments, uh, shipping, packaging, sh shipping consignments, and then scanning in um, consignments from the from the previous day that I got in the mail um, and logging those as well. <clears throat> and then at 12, <clears throat> excuse me, um, people don't believe this either, but I have a, a daughter that's going to be two. Um, and every day at noon, uh, she's always kind of been a what we call high needs, which that that phrase drives me crazy, but that's what they call it. But uh, she she has to nap on me um, every day, and part of it is is I don't fight that. I, I love that time, um, and being a dad and a and a husband is the the best part of my life. So that time is special to me as part of why I wake up at three a.m. every day, is so I can have that hour and a half in the middle of my day with her. Um, but as soon as she wakes up. Um, I get everything to the post office, everything that's been packaged. Um, usually, uh, like the other day, uh, I have to go in there and and ask for a cart. And they roll out this special cart, and it's like crates and crates of shipments. Um, I took like 185 packages there the other day, and um, people always give me that weird look, like, who is this guy? But uh, um, get all those dropped off, pick up all the uh, the stuff that has been shipped from me um, into my PO box. And then until about 6 p.m., I'm, I'm scanning in and logging all those new consignments, as many as I can. I don't usually get through all of them. It depends how many come in. Um, Six o'clock is dinner with the family. Um, play with my daughter, get her ready for bed, get her in bed by eight o'clock. And then you usually come back downstairs for another hour or two and, and knock out whatever I can and then get five or six hours of sleep and do it over again. So <laughs> talk about a grind for the love of the hobby, right? I mean, it's the best. It's incredible. It is incredible. And and I listen to a lot of entrepreneur podcasts and, and, and people like that just for inspiration. And the running the running joke is you'll do anything to quit a 48 a 40 hour a week job to start your own business and work 80 hours a week. <laughs> and, and it's so true like i'm working 90 hours a week easy and i've never been happier you know what i mean like there's times where where it's a little stressful and overwhelming or where i just need a little bit of help maybe but i love it i love every second of it and i wouldn't change it at all Dude, I love it so much with the passion too, man. Just hearing you, it's like, man, you're you're the type of guy that I think people in the hobby should support. So I appreciate you sharing that and your story. Maybe, maybe we can close out with just some. I'd love to just get your reaction on just some things happening in the hobby. Um, 
what what are your what are your thoughts on just like the rise of legends and kind of like uh prospects the you know prices on prospects lowering a little bit do you think that's something we'll continue to see or do you think that um is just kind of for the time being i'm a little bit torn um because traditionally what i would think in a time like this is okay if everybody's buying goats and legends now's the time to really really take a good look at modern yeah yeah so the type of money coming in is is different um it's people with deeper pockets and they they aren't really looking at how can I make money in a month or two months? They're looking at where can I park my money for a long time safely into something that's cooler than the stock market or, 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 or whatever. Um, so I think, I think we have to really strongly consider that variable and how it's going to affect the entire market. And I think it's going to keep goat legend prices stable at worst um it's hard to imagine that those would even tank like like normally when you see a, a huge run-up on anything it's usually followed by a pullback but i wouldn't be shocked if there was no pullback on guys like michael jordan and tom brady and 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 uh you know the all the retired legends especially the more established they are um i, I think the pullback is just that they don't go up for a little while um but but I think it would be wise to look at modern and, and, and do your research and, and and see if stuff has come down a lot. Is there potential opportunities in the short term and in and, and short to medium term for, for that player situation to improve to where you can maybe make a little bit of money on it in the future? I don't think modern is just going to go up because people get bored with goats and legends. I think it is at a place now. And when I talk about modern, I mean more like your first through third, fourth year guys. I put LeBron in another category. He's active, but he's a GOAT, right? Katie and Steph are kind of bordering in between. They're, they're going to be legends. They're still active, but they're not prospects. And then you have your Lucas and your Trays and your Tatums and your Mitchells um, that I think really need something new and beneficial to happen in their in their situation for their prices to really come back out of nowhere i don't think they're just going to go up because people get bored buying legends and goat skin totally the 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 lebron kd steph common denominator championships <laughs> exactly exactly um uh, i mean it it really is the the true separator and when you get multiple it, it, you you go to an entirely new level and and we've seen like mvps don't even really matter anymore if you don't have that championship i mean westbrook has an mvp harden has an mvp Giannis has two and if he goes another couple years without a championship then his prices are are, are not going to be reflective of somebody that does have a title so totally and like my mindset just on buying you know Obviously, I'm a huge Peyton fan, and then Steph Curry, I love watching. And there are two guys I look at, and I was just like, man, for what everyone else is going for, like these guys when are are just I thought relatively cheap. That was this was a few months ago, um, and uh, you know Steph, it was like, man, I don't really like. I, of course, I'd love his you know rookie refractor, but you know or his, his you know his NT RPA, but those are way outside my budget right now. That's, that's not a game I'm playing, but like, what do I want to do? So I started getting into, you know, prism parallels, numbered stuff. 
low pop and like those are cards that i'm just like that's a that's a good way to get involved with a player like steph and you know that's something the hobby loves and then with peyton it was like i couldn't believe like of course brady should be more than manning anyone could agree with that um but the the gap between the two was astounding to me and so i just started buying up peyton and it was like today and i don't ever really talk about what i do a lot like on these things but what you said triggered it but you know, Peyton, like I saw on card ladder, uh, I saw the the Bowman Chrome Refractor PSA 10 Manning sold yesterday for like 8,200 bucks or something. And I saw that and I stared at it for a minute. And I'm like, what? And I look I, and I have a PSA 9 and I, I bought the PSA 9 at the beginning of November. And I'm like, I don't think I paid anywhere. I look and I paid 800 bucks for it. So 800 bucks and the PSA 10 selling for 8,200. It's like, what is going on? So it's like, to me, the leaning into like the legends and the championships, like there's always going to be a market there. And chances are it's going to, it might not go up that drastically, but it'll go up a little bit over time. You just kind of got to be patient. You're totally right. And uh, yeah, I remember looking at that Bowman Chrome PSA 10 for, for around 2000, probably when you bought your nine for 800 yeah. and I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't know, but <laughs> here it is selling for four XS. So um, been having that feeling a lot with stuff I was looking at a few months ago, but, uh, but you're right. I think the thing is with the guys that are established is their place in history doesn't usually change a whole lot so so like with manning you know even if nobody really says oh like are people forgetting about manning if brady goes up then people will say well manning's always going to be at least this compared to brady you know and you maybe. got the, the rivalry too between the it, two of them there's always that attachment right right and it's like lebron and, and mj even though they're in different eras like that's the GOAT comparison in basketball. So so there's people on the LeBron side, there's people on the MJ side, and when one of them goes up, the other side is saying, well, if he's there, then my guy's got to be here, mm-hmm. and, and the gap closes. Um, whereas if you look at guys like Luca or Trey or, or Tatum, where it's like, oh, they're always a third of LeBron. I, I know they're not, but just to use a clean number, maybe they are always right now or for the last year. But if LeBron wins another title and those guys aren't competing for a title over the next year or two, that gap is going to get bigger. And, and there might not be a reliable multiplier off of that over time. Whereas Peyton and, and Brady are probably always going to have a similar multiplier unless Brady strings off another couple, couple Super Bowls. Which could um, happen. Yeah, I mean, Grandpa Brady's going to be out there in seven years, slinging, <laughs> slinging touchdown passes and stacking rings. But I need to get on his program, bro. TV <laughs> <laughs> twelve, man. I heard a, <laughs> I heard a quote. Uh, I don't know if he really said it or if it was a joke, but they said uh, he said he can't get sunburned because he he's so hydrated because of his diet. And I'm like, that's, that's some type of like immortal uh, quote that that only people would believe if Tom Brady said it. (laughs) Oh my God. Totally. So uh, I want to get into like maybe a little bit on prospecting, but you see so much stuff. Are is there, is there like, is, is there anything you're seeing across sports cards right now where you like, like, Maybe I was back in, you know, the fall time frame where I looked at Manning's prices and I was just like, man, this is there's a gap here. Are you seeing anything or anybody or cars that you're like, man, I think that this 
this type of, and you don't need to give away all your secrets, but are there, is there anything like evident to you that like you just see is just looks kind of funny when it comes to maybe legends or who potentially is like a, a, a guy that you think should be considered in that category that might not get the love yet. So I, I, what I've really focused on, I'm a Mahomes guy. Um, so, so he's somebody I monitor a lot and I'm big in the football market. I believe heavily in the potential of the football market. Um, so I've always compared Mahomes to Luca. Um, and, and I've always, I was always confused why anything Luca would sell for more than anything Mahomes, even though the basketball market is, we all know it's bigger than the, than the football market. But Mahomes had accomplished so much more than Luca in the same amount of seasons. I know, I know Mahomes was drafted in 17, but as far as seasons that they played, they've both played. Um, Mahomes is finishing year three, Luca is in year three, but their 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 accomplishments are not even close. Um, so I I compare their cards a lot. And and now we're seeing Mahomes' prism um sell for way more than Luca's prism, his optic base is selling for way more than Luca optic base. The hollows are weird. I think Lucas might sell for more, but a place that I always go first because it's my personal favorite set is select. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a massive gap between not only select to prism, um, but select football to select basketball. Um, select basketball is, has taken off like a, like a Luca to Mahomes. Lucas select silver PSA 10, the pop is about half of Mahomes. I think it's like 35 to 70, something like that. But Lucas sells for like $27,000, $28,000. Mahomes, and we haven't seen a Mahomes auction since summer. So that's a big part of it. Um, a, a, an auction would go nuts, but we've seen some buy it nows recently at $12,500. I mean, not even half of Luca, and he's going into his second Super Bowl in, thir- in three years as a favorite. And Luca is, is, fighting for a, a top three draft pick right now is the best case scenario for the Mavs. So like that discrepancy makes no sense to me, especially when you already see Mahomes prism outpacing Lucas prism, Mahomes optic outpacing uh, a Lucas optic. Um, there's some real opportunity there. And I, and I own that card. I, I feel the need to say that, but that's why I own that card. Uh, you know, when I, when I give people opportunities, it's because I saw them and took advantage of them myself and I'm, I'm betting on what I'm telling you. Um, but I also think there's a trickle down at some point it, it, and people are waiting for this Super Bowl outcome, but say Mahomes wins a Super Bowl in a, in a select silver PSA 10 hits auction. It's going to do $30,000. It, it will do $30,000, maybe more. And the trickle down from that to all select football will, will happen. I mean, a, Deshaun Watson's going to 2X. Kyler Murray's going to 2X. Um, people are going to say, what What in the world? Why are these select field level, low pop cards selling for one fourth of what the, the similar prospects in, in basketball are selling for? So I think there's massive opportunity there. I know you're a big select guy as well. Oh, dude, you just got me. You got me. I know the Super Bowl will have happened since when this goes live, but uh you got me you got a, me looking at the game with a different lens now with uh the Mahomes card but I, this, so someone asked me recently they go you know what's your favorite Kyler Murray card that you have right now and I went to my stack and I got his contenders I've got snapshots gold from select and I've got um his prisms some prism stuff silver 
and I was looking through my cards and I just was like this one. And I looked and it was the tricolor field level PSA 10 out of 99. And it just is a beat like those field level select cards are phenomenal. Like, like phenomenal, like best, co- like best cards in football, I think. And I agree with you. Select football is an amazing. I can't wait for the next this year to come out. Uh, but it's just so undervalued, I think, comparatively, especially to the prism stuff that I love what you say there about the Mahomes stuff. Like, I just think aesthetics are a huge piece of like my buying sports cards. And if you put select up against prism, that's not even a competition. And then on top of it, I hear um, I hear the card father out at Burbank on this show telling me he's the number one seller of sports cards on eBay and he's got the biggest store per volume in the country. And he's telling me people come in all the time with stacks of prism and optic. And I hardly ever see select. And that just makes me want select even more, you know, I I couldn't agree with you more. And I see, I see the, the same trend. And when I, when I'm going to look at a guy that I haven't been buying, I try to seek out people that I've seen by that player. Um, and I try to pick their brain, like like the captain who was on your last episode um, a few months back. I really didn't know much about the Tom Brady market. And I followed the captain and I loved his stuff. I loved his collection. So I just started asking him questions. Um, what about this card? I like this card. What do you think? And I, and I learned so much from him. He was so helpful and willing to help me. And, um, but I saw through the conversation, what people that own those players want. And with the modern stuff, they want select more than they want prism and optic. As far as a card that they want to buy and just own, they want select. Um, it's, a, it's the collector's choice of the three from, mm-hmm. from my experience. Um, and I'm at a point now where if I am looking at a football player uh, post 2017, because that was the first, uh, first year or well well that was the first year of the 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 field levels that i enjoy um mm-hmm. 17 and on um but if i i will comp out their prism their optic their select i will comp it out and i will make a list of players that i think are comparable i'm a spreadsheet nerd so i make these elaborate spreadsheets with all these different multipliers and percentages and if it doesn't come to the conclusion that that player's select field level is undervalued i won't even buy the player like i i I won't even buy the player i'll just keep monitoring until that select field level is a good opportunity and then i might jump in but if i can't buy their select and it it can be a a parallel of select field level or sometimes a concourse if, if i like them but um I won't even buy that player if it's not an opportunity in select. That, that's just how passionate I am about that set. <laughs> I love it. I, dude, I feel the exact same way for every reason you uh, just dropped there. And I love that's why I love doing this show, man. I meet people like you and I get my thoughts validated. And you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to get on freaking eBay and start <laughs> buying up more. Uh-oh. <laughs> My safe search is all like I should be sponsored by the select brand. Right. My eBay safe search is all like select, select, select. So before we get out of here, we talked to mostly legends and guys that are making it happen. I'd love to hear like maybe on basketball and football side, like just 
give me like who's someone yours who you think has potential like that might not be getting a, a lot of hobby love right now man this that's a great question because i i i literally started jumping into to modern once the goat and legend stuff started coming up i i jumped into modern and i'm like i gotta see if there's some opportunities here and i gotta be honest no player like the first thing i look at is who is who is kind of not having a lot of success right now, either as a player or a, a team mostly that maybe could turn it around this year, or especially in the off season might make some moves and be better next year. Um, because that's when their, their prices would go up and nobody stuck out to me. Luca is the one that actually sticks out to me the most, because I think the Mavs aren't going to be okay. Not making the playoffs um, or, or not contending for titles, let alone not making the playoffs. So I do think they'll make some moves which makes his prices attractive. Um, but as far as just a player, I think, oh man, it, it, it's so tough um, because I don't want to give the easy, boring answer, Luca and Trey. Um, and, and then I don't want to, I'm going to give the answer I always give. All right. And it's Michael freaking Porter Jr. Michael because, Porter Jr. Because I, I can't, figure out his situation and how it's going to play out. I mean, every time he drops 30 and 10 in 20 minutes, he gets yanked after three minutes and no, no possessions touching the ball the next three games. And I don't, I don't understand the logic behind like he's young. Like, why not just let him ride it out? Like, like let him, let him learn and make mistakes and grow from them. Um, and, and, either your team is better for it or you, or you know exactly what you have and you can move on if you don't like it. But this whole, like, Oh, we got to keep him in check. He just had a good game. Um, you know, uh, he needs to play in our style or, or it's not a fit. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. And he's a player that in the right system for him could be the best player in that 2018 class. He has that ability and hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential, his actual potential. Um, but he does need the right situation. And I don't think he's in it, the right situation for him personally right now. Dude, I'm a league pass degenerate and I definitely have, uh, seen that I can, I can just, you know, people, I don't try not to bring it up all the time, but my arch nemesis right now is Dwayne Casey for all of my Seku <laughs> investments that I've made, uh, same situation. Like this guy, just, he, this guy just needs to play like just yeah. play him you're the worst team in the nba just play this guy so it's part of the game but it also tells it also it, it makes you stronger in the hobby and lets you know like don't go spending all your money on these guys because you just never you never know they're at the discretion of systems organizations coaches all this stuff and i got to the point um you know i i, I coached him so i have a relationship with him i got to a point where i don't own any of his cards anymore because it was too I was too biased on him and too passionate about him to make good decisions on his, on his sports cards um, from a hobby perspective. And I've enjoyed it more now because now I can just root for him as a pure mm -hmm. fan of who he is and hit and wanting him to have success. Um, so it's less about the cards for me now, but I've also become more passionate about his success um, getting out of the cards. Like, I'm just like, man, I know what he could be. And I selfishly just want to see him be exactly what I think he could be, but it, the right situation has to happen for him.
Absolutely. Nick, this is the definition of the hobby hustle of the Stacking Slabs podcast, man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Everyone go check out the War of Sports cards. Nick, there's plenty more we can talk about. I feel like I could have talked to you for hours, so I'll have to get you back on here uh, in the coming months. Brett, thanks for having me on, man. Um, it was a pleasure hopping on here and chopping it up with you and, and, and learning from you as well. And I look forward to talking to you more in the future, man. All right, buddy, you keep hustling. Take it easy. All right, man. Are you feeling inspired? I know I am. Definitely hit follow on the War Sports Cards on IG. One of the good ones in the hobby, everyone. Hit follow on Stacking Slabs. Subscribe everywhere. Let's go. Enjoy your weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we'll talk to you again next week. Peace.